Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are DFS 3M previewing. Sia Najad is here. Sia, this is the uh, alphabetically first tournament. Oh, well, I guess that makes sense with the number. Uh, Well, either way, it's Monday, which means we got pricing today. I'm super excited to talk about this. Uh, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, sorry, we missed you. We missed you last night for the Open Championship recap you and i were just jiving off air we probably could have spent two and a half hours more uh on rory mcelroy but it's good to see you bud yeah it's good to be back um i was gutted that i missed yesterday i was gutted that um that the tournament happened the way it did even as a camp smith fan um it was you know this was one of the events that early in the year i kind of thought would be good really good for camp smith uh, it reminded me in a strange way of of Kapalua um, in some elements. Kind of open fairways, not a lot of wind, um, big greens. Kind of reminded me of that in a way. So it, it made sense. But it, the way it happened, when you get to Saturday night, it di- didn't make sense. But it, it was an all-world performance and we're left gutted, which is kind of an odd, odd place to be. So very, very interesting open championship. But I'm psyched for the three I'm open looking through this leader. I mean, there are some guys here who have been playing some really good golf. I think this is kind of a sneaky underrated DFS board. We have big news. The one and done fan vote link is in the description right now. You guys are making up grounds on Mark. You're making Kyle pound his own sand. The link is in the description. Get your vote in because on Tuesday morning, when we go live for the mega preview pod, we need those votes. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, for sure. I for, first off, I like Cam Smith, and I had a ticket, an outright ticket on him, and I still was like sad <laughs> this morning, right? Like I think about how crazy, think about how crazy that is. But you're right, we're we're on, we're on to 3M Open, and uh, this event, Sia, it's one of the newer events on the schedule. So we've got three editions in the books: 2019, 2020, 2021. The winners have all been. 100 to 1 or longer. I think even when Wolfie won this in, in 2019, he was he was pretty long. Then we got Michael Thompson. And then, of course, last year we got uh, Cam Champ hoisting the trophy on Sunday. So we've kind of got that situation where we've got just enough data to be dangerous here. Yeah, and we have just enough data to know that it, there's different styles of golf that can win here. So I think that's really important, too. It brings a lot of people in play, which for the record is why you're seeing 100 to 1 shots and 150 to 1 shots taking down this tournament. And it's why when you get to the 7k range and the 8k range specifically you see tremendous value it's very easy to construct your lineups this week uh, almost almost as easy as like a, a major would be in the sense that it feels soft because of the value that you're going to see in the 7 and 8k range now the cautionary tale here of course is some of that is going to be chalky guys and i think this is a tournament where it's very easy to pivot off a chalky guy and make your lineup different yeah, we'll talk about pivoting because that could be something uh, of, of significant note. Producer Troy, if you could share my screen, that'd be just splendid. Thank you very much. That's my website, rickrungood.com. Key stats model. Greg, I, I mentioned this on my DFS preview this morning. This is kind of the first time in a long time that the 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 regression model doesn't necessarily align with my sniff test of this golf course. So let's just let's just start with what we what we think and what we feel in our gut here. Um, there's a lot of water lurking around TPC Twin Cities. It's an Arnold Palmer design. I think water is kind of like the main the main feature to it. And we've seen some big numbers put up, right? This was where DJ put like three straight balls in the water, shot 78 and 80, and then one is next start or something like that. Um, yeah. So you're going to see 
kind of scores all over the place, which I think goes hand in hand with a little bit of what Sia was referring to. If this is an event that kind of introduces a lot more volatility, a lot more randomness, maybe those pivots off the chalky guys, maybe the longer shots on the betting board, maybe those are some of our best uh, ways to allocate our funds this week. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, you look at your model here and it's got driving distances 37th and that's the really the key focus for me because two of the three winners really excelled you could argue only not for the week but they only with long driving and matt wolf and camp champ and then you have michael thompson win the the one in the middle where driving distance is probably his weakest attribute so it's very interesting looking through the leaderboards and I went through all three top tens uh, and and kind of what the guys did, and I didn't find a you know a, a correlating stat. Even at the John Deere this year, I was able to find something with wedges, and it, it didn't necessarily it played out to a degree, but it wasn't really a strong correlation. But hey, you know, I feel like in every tournament, I've been able to find something that was a interesting you know um, similarity between players who have had success. And here, I, I don't feel like that's there, except the driving distance with two out of the three. Um, and when you watch the golf course, it feels like driving distance gives you an advantage. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think your lineups... I, I think if you're going to make a, a betting board and try to pick winners, I think you go on driving distance. And you pick five guys who all hit it long, and I think your chances of finding the winner could be quite high. But for a DFS lineup, I think you got to be a little more balanced in your approach and look for guys who have been playing some good golf of late. Maybe they're excelling in a particular area that they typically don't. Um, and and so I, I think it really gives you a, a lot of opportunity, and and you can use some feel in this week. Uh, Sia, I listened to all this, and I I certainly don't disagree with it. I actually tend to agree with with what Greg is is saying here, and I just think I hear chaos. Let's just let's just buy some chaos. Let's see how freaky we can get. Let's build lineups to forty nine thousand dollars. Bet guys a hundred to one and longer, and see what happens on Sunday night. I love that approach. And I think le- like leaving money on the table is going to be easy this week. I think focusing on certain subsets that you think are going to be important on this course, whether that be approach or long iron play, which I think is going to come into play. You know, those buckets that we sometimes talk about, maybe 150 to, to 200 yards, for example, might be a point of emphasis. Getting it out there, scoring on the par fives or just scoring in general, you know, whether it's opportunities or birdie or better or DK points. Those are all things that like if you wanted, if, if you thought this was going to be chaotic and you're not really sure where to dial in maybe go to the some of those overlapping stats like the scoring stats and focus on those as tiebreakers i think that this might be the tournament with presumably some easy scoring day to day that you can actually dial in there if you don't know where else to dial in all right. Well, we can jump into the cheat sheet. We'll go tier by tier through the pricing and see what we can find, but first we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The $10,000 range here, Greg, it's very, very small. Tony Finau, 10500 Hideki Matsuyama, 10-3. Sung J.M., 10000 That's it. <laughs> what, what, what do we do with three guys at the top? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think just based on the fact, you take out who they are, take that off the, uh, take it off the board. And uh, what you what you can do, just because there's only three guys there, is start lineups in the 9K range. Uh, I know that is going to go there. Uh, it, I, I know that that's going to be an, an option for him because at that you're only fading three guys. I mean, I don't care if it's Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and uh, Colin Morikawa. I, I don't care who they are. You you can fade three guys at the top. That being said, I think Tony Finau is really compelling. Um, and and while he's the favorite, he's at ten thousand five hundred. That that helps kind of soften the pricing a little bit, but. I love what Tony has done uh, approaching the green of late. It's been, I mean, every event since the PGA championship, he's gained strokes approaching the green and we know what kind of power he has. 
So both of those things um, are are real. Uh, they they make his upside. They make him very well worthy of being the highest priced player in this field. Uh, and and he's been putting really quite well. So this is uh, probably the best player in the field uh, with the most well rounded game. Who's in very good form. And I think this is a, a great spot for Tony Finau. He's probably the only guy that I'm really considering in this in this range. He's only lost two or more strokes putting uh twice this year, and he hasn't done it since the farmers. That was at the end of January. Yeah. His putter is much, much better. Great. Yeah, that's a that's a big improvement. And again, that's like what I was saying earlier, where look for guys who have done something really well that they typically don't. That, that is, well, one, it's always a good opportunity. It, it it gives a player real confidence. When you have a great ball striker who's suddenly putting well, they feel like the, uh, the it frees you up so much. And uh, Tony's a, a great example of that, even though it's a little longer form than what I typically look for. It's been a great putting year. Also helps that he's played every edition of this event and he hasn't finished worse than 28th uh, in any of them. T3 in 2020 was his best finish. Okay, Sia, we've got a vote for Tony Finau at the top. Would you like to cast your vote in a different or similar direction? It's going to be in a different direction. I'm really curious to see what the ownership is on all three of these guys, frankly. I think it's going to go Tony Finau, Hideki, Sungjae in terms of um, rostership. But if Tony's popular at all, I'm uh, I'm a, an easy fade for me because I'll either start in the 9K range or I'll just start with Hideki Matsuyama, who is the guy that I, I really like here. Now, the metrics aren't going to speak to you. He's He hasn't been good, particularly off the tee, as we see here. He just flat out hasn't been good. He hasn't been super great on approach either, but he's playing this tournament. I assume he's here to win. And he is, to me, the class of this field. And I, I don't say that with any real hesitation here. If we're talking a long-term view here, Hideki Matsuyama is the most talented golfer in this field. And you're getting him at a pretty reasonable price. And if you want to start your lineup with Hideki, it's very easy to round out the rest of your lineup and go in the 9K range. Then you can dip in the 8K range and then you can finish it out with a few 7K guys, which are going to be palatable. So I like Hideki, especially if he is significantly lower owned than Tony Finau. Uh, if they're both highly owned, I, I don't mind really passing on either of them, but it's Hideki for me in this range. Hideki's got such a bizarre last 15 events it's two wins it's a fourth place finish at the u.s open a couple of missed cuts at big time events that weird dq he's been great on approach horrible great off the tee i mean it's, this is just such a mixed bag here greg would you would you prefer if you're not going to play tony to to go to hideki to go to sung or just skip the tens altogether? um I, look i i'm i'm okay with hideki i think he's He's been very good a lot. Like when he's been good, he's been really good this year. And that is, and I agree with Sia over long term, he is the the best player in this field. It's um, it's a hard thing to argue, but of late there's been a lot of ups and downs. And I, I just feel that, um, that Tony's been more consistent across the board with his game. And I like that for my top ranked player, um, my, my highest price player. I, I like to get some, um, you know, some consistency in these areas. So Hideki gives me a little bit of a worry there. He also, he played both the Scottish and the open, um, which, which can be a, that that's kind of a heavy schedule and where he, where Tony only played the open championship and he played the travelers before that. So there's been a little more rest for him. And I think that makes the, um, the DQ probability go down or the withdrawal probability go down as well, which is a, another factor to me. And it always seems to be a factor after major championships. Um, so that being said, I think I'm Tony or um, going down to the nine case. Uh, nobody seems uh, all that interested in Sung JM, who rounds out that $10,000 tier. Lost 10.3 strokes putting. I had to double check that. I saw that. And I was like, that's got to be wrong. That's got to be a typo. It's got to be an error. No, no, no. That that That's correct. Um, nearly six strokes worse than his next worst putting performance ever. Greg, you know, things can just kind of get away from you at the old course. We watched Dustin Johnson putted. Was it Dustin Johnson or Cam Young? Maybe both of them putted off the green. Yeah. Right? That doesn't help the strokes. Both of them. Stats. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it doesn't help at all. We put into a bunker. Uh, it's it's not not great. So uh, no question there. Um, uh, you know what? The one good thing about Sungjae, he's been driving the ball well, which yeah. can be a sign that he's swinging well. The iron play has been a little bit 
um, you know, mediocre, slightly losing in two of his last three events. So, uh, look, I'm I'm not excited about playing Sung J M, um, but it's very likely that he turns the putter around. I mean, it has to get better, right? Yes, it literally I, has to get better. Yeah. It's impossible to be worse. I than guarantee that. he will he will not putt <laughs> as poorly as he did. Uh, yeah, the course would not allow. I could not lose ten and a half strokes out there putting <laughs> over four days. Okay, that that's the ten k range. The nines uh, also a very small range as well. Sia, it's it's Sahith Tagala at ninety eight, Adam Hadwin at ninety six, Mav McNeely at ninety three, Davis Riley at nine thousand. That's it. Only seven guys in the tens and nines combined. So let's let's talk nines. What do you find? Yeah, it's interesting that we only have three in the 10K range and four in the 9K range. Listen, like all these 9K guys are are fine. Uh, the, the guy that I think I'm leaning on the most is probably Davis Riley. And, and you know, this is going to surprise you, but it's possible I skip this range in a lot of my lineups. And I know it's, it's the vaunted 9K range that I usually immerse myself in. But if any of these guys are particularly popular that I like, including Davis Riley, who I expect to be a, a little popular because he's been... He's been really great. I mean, if we're looking at we're looking at this on YouTube, I mean, you you have to go back a really long way to actually find a missed cut, which of course is at the RBC Heritage. But the amount of top tens in here uh, is really kind of staggering for a guy that's named Davis Riley. And I think you kind of pinpointed it, Rick. It was the Zurich Classic where things kind of turned around for him. So he's definitely my favorite guy in this range. I don't think I'm going to be on Sahith this week. I think he's he's going to have some popularity. Um, I, I think uh, Adam Hadwin will probably have some popularity. It's probably Davis Riley for me, unless he's super popular. The the interesting thing about Riley is that we haven't seen him in a while, right? Uh, at least compared to his peers, he hasn't played since the Travelers Championship. That was kind of his worst finish of that really good stretch of golf. You wonder if he was just tired and worn out or whatever. Still finished uh, T64, made the cut. So now should be well-rested. I, too, love the ball striking that we've seen from, from Davis Riley. So, Greg, um, I'll throw this over to you. Uh, we've got some some viable options here. How would we start to pe- parse these through? Yeah, the, uh, Davis, I, I couldn't agree more with you guys. This could be the first win for him. Um, it's been a tournament where you've seen some guys kind of make a name for themselves and and get themselves into – um, you know, into stardom on the PGA Tour, and this could very well be that week for Davis Riley. Um, I, I, I like everybody in this range in a way. I mean, I like that Matt McNeely uh, played the Barracuda, came and tied ninth. There's been a lot of play for him of late, but it's been it's been quite good. I know we don't have strokes gain data for the Barracuda, but this seems to be a good run. So I guess my one concern might be the fatigue factor with the Matt McNeely. Um, playing three in a row with one of them being in Scotland. But all in all, I'm still willing to play him. Um, then we get to my boy, Adam Hadwin. Mm-hmm. And the thing he's been, he has a really nice record here, yeah. which which is yeah. the strongest thing in his corner, right? He's got more, a T6 more, and a four. More strokes gained uh, of anybody at this event in the field uh, out of anybody. He's played it twice. He's, that's better than some guys who've only played it once. So it's it's very, very strong history around here, Greg. Um, so I, I like that aspect. And I think he's having a good year. It just it seems to have cooled off a little bit with his iron play. Um, but not to the point where it's a it's a concern, not to the point where I think he's lost it. I just, it, it hasn't been hot and he hasn't popped the same way. Um, so I'm lukewarm on him. And, and Sahith has been kind of hard to figure out. Yeah. You know, the upside is there, which is why I, I do think you could start your lineup with him. Um, but it, it's, it, you know, is it going to continue? It just seems like a difficult question to answer. But all in all, I think I'm I think I'm pretty high on him unless, like Sia says, if the ownership's crazy high, I'm happy to I'm happy to step aside on him this week uh, and try to pivot to somebody with a little lower ownership. But all in all, I like all four guys in this range. I think there's compelling reasons to play each and every one of them. Sia, did anybody watch the Barracuda last week? Because <sighs> McNeely was uh, like, I, I would argue he kind of faded on the weekend and didn't muster up much on Sunday. And I was thinking about, it, I was like, Oh man, that's great. I'm going to like, I'll buy low on him next week. And then I was like, you know what? People might have not, might not have watched it yeah. and they might just look at the box score and see eighth at the John Deere 
16th at the Scottish Open, ninth at the at the Barracuda, and everybody might be all in on all Mad McNeely. Yeah, and then especially when you go to his course history with the 16th last year, I mean, it definitely makes sense. You're right. I mean, by the way, I don't think anybody did watch the Barracuda, and to the extent they did, I mean, all the all the attention seemed to be on you know Martin Laird and Chez Reby and just a few of those guys at the top, which you know Mav on Sunday didn't really hang with those guys. So, yeah, I, I mean. You know, he's been good. He he, he definitely has spike potential. So I, I get it. But when you look at the metrics, they don't really speak to you. A lot of the damage that he's been doing as of late has been with the putter. Um, that kind of worries me because I, I definitely think, listen, that's great. If he if he's great with the putter this week, that's great. That's obviously going to help. But I think there we have some evidence that team no putt is definitely in play here. So if I'm going to pick a guy that's great with the putter, that's great. Like a, like a Cameron Smith last week. But I also want to make sure he can pop somewhere else. And I'm not so sure I'm seeing that with Mav uh, in the last you know few tournaments. So um, real quick on that last year at the 3M, he gained in every category except the putter. Um, you looking at that saying, okay, well, this year his his ball striking isn't good enough. Like, do you think there's any correlation in horses for courses with with ball striking? Okay, I always think guys like Corey Connors at the Sony. Well, he puts well here, and that it seems to have a tendency of carrying over. It does it with with ball striking. I think I think there is to an extent. So I think the problem with ball striking is that it is such a hard aspect of the game that like the gr- the bad ball strikers cannot just show up to a spot and be great necessarily over time, like you know over sixteen or twenty rounds. Right. But I do think you can find guys that are marginally better and consistently marginally better greg because whether it is hey this shot fits my eye which guys will tell you all the time or this course has a bunch of holes that fit my eye or it leaves them in a bunch of positions where they might be better right they might be better from those wedge ranges than they are from from long iron ranges or vice versa so I, i i think it's a hard one to really like find substantial crazy changes like you could for putting but i i do i do believe it's a real thing yeah it's interesting because i'm looking at him and he hit he's he hasn't been hitting it It, it, like it's like sia said i mean it hasn't been um overly compelling maybe a little bit better coming in last year but again it, it wasn't you know, it's not a huge difference between what he did coming in last year and this year. Maybe a little off the tee was maybe off the tee was a little stronger. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I guess it was stronger talking my way into see his corner here. <laughs> but it's just an interesting thought. Uh, the AK range is fascinating. And then there's about a million guys in the sevens and the sixes. So we will continue our trek down the board. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. The $8,000 range. I think this is the most interesting range on the board. It starts with a couple of Camerons who are on a good run right now. This time it's Davis and Tringale. Chez Reeve, fresh off his victory. Adam Long, JT Posted. Mark Hubbard just withdrew, right? I got to remove him from this. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan Steele, Martin Laird, Charles Howe third, and Nick Hardy. So, Sia, uh, you mentioned it like maybe we just start lineups here. <laughs> Hey, I know you could, uh, by the way, did CH three withdraw as well? I thought yeah, I, I think, saw that. I think, uh, there was a bunch this morning, so I gotta go, I gotta go through the list. I'll, I'll pull it up as we're kind of chatting. Yeah. And I, I think Charles, how the third is out. I think everybody else in the 8k range is in. So there's, you know, there's some good news. Some people are playing this tournament. Uh, there's a few guys that I have my eye on. Cam Davis is, is one of them. We, we know that he can bomb it with the best, but to the extent they're going to be clubbing down, uh, I think, you know, which I think they will off the tee here and there. I think Cam Davis is, you know, he's going to be good with his long irons. He's going to be good off the tee. Um, he's good when, when when there is the club down situation. Cam Davis has always excelled on courses uh, in, in that ilk. So I like Cam Davis a lot. Brendan Steele at 8,300. The model is going to love him. Anybody who's running a model, Brendan Steele is going to rate out really well there. Um, but he's also made seven cuts in a row, including two top tens. So he's 8,300. He might be a little popular. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, there's a lot of compelling 8K guys, and not everyone can be popular, and it's Brendan Steele at the end of the day. Uh, I do like him quite a bit, though. Um, Nick Hardy at 8,000. I like a lot as well. And if we're talking upside here and we're talking guys that, you know, can kind of come out of nowhere to win a tournament like a Michael Thompson or, you know, back then a Matthew Wolf, uh, Nick Hardy, I, I think is one of those guys that 
we might be talking about in a year that has this tremendous upside that can pop at a lot of different tournaments. He's made five cuts in a row, including two top, let's say two top 15s at the U.S. Open and the Travelers and the Barracuda. So that's three top 15s. He's gaining off the tee and on approach. He's just he's doing it all in the right way, it seems like. Uh, the WDs, at least since pricing came out, look like CH3, Mark Hubbard, Eric Van Royen, Andres Romero, Charlie Beljan, Beljan, and John Rawlings. I think that's all after pricing came out. So the, those guys have all been replaced. The other one, Greg, uh, Michael Kemp. I, oh, I I know he's been playing great. He opted to play the corn fairy event because he thinks he can win it and lock up his card. Oh, well, Hey, um, I, I know he can win it. He can win on the PGA tour. So good for him. Um, I hope that decision plays out well for him. Yeah. Um, somebody, but there somebody remind me to bet Michael Kim in the corn fairy tour event this week. I need yeah. somebody needs to remind me to do that. <laughs> that. It's a good, it's a good idea. Um, Maybe you can set a scoring record. So a uh, couple guys I like. There's definitely some overlap with with what Sia said. Um, and it starts with Cam Davis. I yep. think I think it's a perfect setup for him, right? If this if this does, let's say, you know, 10 years down the road, it becomes a bomber's paradise, which I, I think it it kind of is. And I think a lot of the shorter hitters who have had success here, a, a lot of that I think is uh, because of the field that we see. Uh, and and you don't have the high quality long hitters playing well here, but it's a it's a distinct advantage. And and I like what he's done recently. I like what he's done with his irons of late. Um, I mean, he might be my favorite player on the board as a whole. Um, and Cam's, I guess, this time of year, Cameron seemed to do really well. Right? Yeah. I mean, think of we got he, Cam Smith won last week. You have Cam Champ, who's the defending champ this week, and next week Cam Davis is the yeah. defending champ. Can Very I, interesting. Uh, can I get a trifecta of wait, who's the defending next week? Oh, Cam Davis. Cam Davis. Yeah. yeah. Can I get a trifecta? What odds could I get on in order? Cam Davis wins. Cam Tringali finishes second. Cam Champ finishes third. Wow. <laughs> like a million. I mean, I, yeah, it'd be it, I don't think they'd support that. Because it could ha- that could happen. <laughs> it could absolutely happen, but I, I like, I really like Cam Davis. So he's a, he's an absolute and a lock for me. Um, Tringale, I, I feel like there was a lot of magic from the 61 on uh, Thursday at the Scottish. And I, I fear that it's tapering off a little bit. So I, I don't love him nearly as much, but I do like Adam long. Um, Adam Long in his last three starts is a tied 21st at the Canadian Open, tied 25th at the Travelers, tied 13th at the John Deere Classic. Um, he's had some good putting performances. He's been good off the tee. He's been pretty good approaching the green, although not great. Uh, and he has a really nice record here as well. Um, he has a second place finish, a tied 25th in his last two starts, um, and he's played in all three. So I really like him as well. And then um, there were some other WDs that I really liked, but I'm, I'm right there with Sia on Nick Hardy. I think Nick Hardy could be another one of these. Um, it could be kind of a coming out party. 13th at the Barracuda, 8th at, at the Travelers. He's done a lot of his damage off the tee with ball striking. Um, he's what, 53rd on tour and driving distance, uh, so he's plenty long kind of on the first page of the leaderboard and just driving distance in this field. And, and I think that is um, a real advantage and a separator for him. So those would be my three favorite plays in the AK range. Let's talk about this one. Ches Uh I, I know, I know, I know the guy who won last week doesn't get to be in your lineups, uh, <laughs> especially when it's the Barracuda, no offense to the Barracuda, but obviously playing well, right? You defeat any field, you're playing well. He had a T8 at the Travelers. He had a T11 at this event last year. He's got a couple of top 15s at Wells Fargo and the Mexico Open. He hasn't played poorly, Sia. In fact, I'd argue he's played quite well, uh, but no, he's going to be like 3% owned. 
That's the thing. It's so funny because, I mean, people don't want to roster the guy who won last week anyway, but especially when it's Chez Reeve, they're just like going to like some people's eyes aren't even going to see his name. Like they're just going to scan and they're going to see Cameron Davis. Maybe they'll look at Tringali and then they'll go right to Adam Long. Like it's like he doesn't exist. I agree. It's a really great contrarian play. And if you're if you're playing this tournament, you should be interested in a bevy of contrarian plays. So I, I don't mind. Listen, the, the profile looks good. The, the placing here last year, 11th, looks really good. Obviously, he's coming in with good form, like you said, Rick. So, yeah, in terms of pivots, like Adam Long will probably carry some ownership. Cameron Davis for sure. Maybe Tringale. You know, then we can go up to Davis Riley. He's going to get some ownership. Chez Reeve is a very, very nice pivot in this 8K range. Um, Rick, if you could, can you yes. go back to his um, player yes. profile? Look yes. at look at the difference in what a, a month ago, where his ball striking was yes. and where it is now. I mean, you're going from red to green. It's mm-hmm. it's a block of red to a block of green, and I, out, Greg. I I think that's uh that's a sign that he's found something with his golf swing, and he can he can flat out hit it when he gets it going. Uh, and if uh, I know we don't have the the data from last week, but I imagine the green in the uh, ball striking category would be a little bit darker in that one. And that would look a lot better if it was. So I, I think there's been a a substantial, noticeable improvement for him that um, has a tendency of lasting. I agree with you. He might just pull off that. Uh, Brett, remember when Brandon Todd just went back to back out of nowhere? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of it got kind of got some similarities, <laughs> right? Not the great. Yeah. It, it it really does. And and then the other thing too, we've had kind of a lot of back to back situations this year. Um, whether it's a defending champion or, I mean, my rule is like completely yeah, got, out the window. You got, you got cooked on that this year. Cooked this year. <laughs> so I, I think I'm done. I think I'm putting that aside. Maybe I'll bring it back next year. But for now, I'm willing to play uh, Shea Reve. Shea Reve, baby, let's go. Uh, Seven thousand dollar range. Uh, I kind of made the argument earlier, Sia, that there's not. I love the 8Ks. I don't think there's a substantial difference between some of these guys in the 7K range. Um, I'm not going to read them all, but Goderup, uh, Palmer, Champ at the top. It goes down to, uh, let's see here, Bramlett, James Hahn, Michael Gligic. What can we what can we pick out of the sevens? Well, first of all, you're right. I mean, no offense to Chez Reeve, who we just talked about uh, as a contrarian play, or let's say Martin Laird, but... You could put both of those guys in the 7K range and then take whichever guys you wanted to here, like Cameron Champ, vault him to the 8K range, Adam Svensson, vault him to even Emiliano Grillo, who I like this week. Uh, you know, there's so you're right. Like, again, I, I say this once every like four or five shows do not get stuck in the ranges. Like, oh, I really need a 9K guy. I want an 8K guy. And then I, I don't want to leave too much money on the table. Like, you might end up leaving five, 600 on the table this week. It, it's totally okay. There's a lot of guys I like in this 7K range. And I think the 7k range really gives you flexibility to construct your lineup however you want whether you want to grab two 10k guys or or one 10k guy and load up on 8k or 9k the 7k range gives you that liberty even in the low end to do that so i'm just going to name i've got a lot of names here so i'm just going to go like really sort of rapid fire so i don't take up the entire show um ryan palmer i think is interesting the metrics will not speak to you here but i do think as far as a pivot is concerned, everybody's going to be on Chris Goderup. He's just kind of the new kid on the block. Yes, he he had one bad performance over the last couple of weeks, but that like people are still going to be on him, and especially because he's in the 7K range. They look at his upside, and they're just going to be all over him. I do think Ryan Palmer sort of has the pedigree to – be a top 10 guy in this tournament. Even though the metrics have not really flashed at all, I will note he's 108th in the FedEx Cup standing. So to the extent you think he's going to be making a push, not only to make it within the, the top 125, but to qualify for the BMW Championship and beyond, um, he is he is a veteran here. So I do like Ryan Palmer as a pivot. Emiliano Grillo, I, I also think is going to be pivot potential off like a, a popular Goddard up or maybe a popular Adam Svensson. And I like I like both of those guys, but really not like Svensson and, and uh, Goddard up. But I just think they're going to be too highly owned. Rio is coming off a miscut at the Open Championship, but he had a second place at the John Deere Classic. Uh, he's been he's been great off the tee and he's been good with the long irons specifically. A few other names, Austin Smotherman. Um, he's shown an ability to spike on approach and is gaining off the tee on a pretty routine basis. Short game is a problem for Smotherman, but I don't think that's going to be a or it can be a problem, I should say. I don't think that's going to be a huge issue for him here. Ju Young Kim, 
starting to become a popular name. The value is still there at 7,300. So it's sort of hard to pass up that price. And then a few low end guys, I'll go Chesson Hadley. I'll just note, he's sort of come on here a little bit lately. He's 143rd in the FedEx cup standings. I'm sure he knows that. And you know, the way he's been playing, it wouldn't shock me at all. If he gets some more FedEx cup points out here, Lee Hodges at 7,000, uh, miscut at the Barbersaw, but that was because of a rare bad putter. I think he has tremendous upside, too. And the last guy, I don't know if you guys remember, about two or two and a half months ago, I said it was Tyler Duncan week. And literally five minutes after the show, he withdrew because he couldn't take the pressure. But this is a new Tyler Duncan at 7,100. He's gained ball striking six tournaments in a row. He rates out very well with the long irons. It is. Are you ready for it? It is Tyler Duncan week at 7,100, folks. Uh, breaking news, Tyler Duncan has withdrawn. From- <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not yet. We'll keep an eye out for that, though. Um, Smotherman, <laughs> the guy that we've been playing, who's like, and he's great, right? He just finishes like, you know, T25 every single week. He had that eighth place finish at the Barracuda. Nobody was watching. Uh, now we're watching Austin. And he looks like he just looks he looks exactly like that kid that the Orioles just drafted. Oh, yeah. Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Looks just that's kind of similar. Uh, all right, Greg, did did see Olivia anybody here in the seven K range? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he did absolutely. So one, the Goddard up, I understand the upside, um, and I may find myself in that trap as well. Um, I just I I can foresee a Matthew Wolf kind of situation coming up with Chris Goddard up. So I'm I'm a big fan of him, big fan of Svensson. Uh, ownership's a concern, as Sia pointed out, but there's good reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Grillo also, I I really like him as well. Um, this seems like a a great spot for him to contend. It seems to check all the boxes of the type of tournaments he typically does well in. Um, some of the guys that he l- did not mention, um, I don't believe he mentioned Wyndham Clark, no. who I liked last week at the Open, um, and he made the cut but didn't do anything else. Um, he lost seven. Point four six strokes put in. Wyndham Clark's a really good putter. He typically doesn't do that. So I, I'm kind of boxing the Scottish Open where he lost two shots put in and the Open where he lost seven shots put in. And I'm saying that turns around back in his favor this week. Um, and I love his driving distance. I think that could really be a, a nice advantage for him. Um, and then the other guy... I, Ju Young Kim also, who, who Sia mentioned. May I jump um, in there? May I jump yeah, in there? Yeah, please, please. Because uh, we actually do have real breaking news for oh Ju Young Tom Kim. As of uh, one minute ago, has just accepted PGA Tour special temporary membership. So Tom Kim now gets unlimited sponsors exemptions through the rest of the year. This is similar to what Will Zalatoris did. And he has to earn as many or more non-member FedEx Cup points as the final eligible Fed player from the FedEx Cup standings to qualify. Uh, he currently has 296 points, which puts him between... 131st and 132nd right now. So, so Greg, we are uh, probably going to see Tom Kim sprint to the finish line and play many more events the rest of the way. Yeah, he, well, he's got three chances, right? Uh, 3M Rocket Mortgage Wyndham. I was counting. Um, like, I, I already gave him the other three playoff events, but that's not. Yeah, but you're one good week away. You're yeah. one good week away. This could be it. So, um, and he's only like 20 years old. So, yes, I, I, yes. he is the youngest player to join the tour as a special temporary member since. Anyone? This is, I don't know why you guys would get this. This is such an obscure thing. Uh, I have no it's an idea. Obscure, it's an obscure name. No, it's reason. not. But this is like, who would know what the youngest person to ever accept special temporary membership status on the PGA Tour? Well, Joaquin Neiman. I was going to say yeah, Neiman. It's Joaquin Neiman. Wow, you yeah. guys are dorks. Total dorks. <laughs> Joaquin Neiman did it at 19 years old during the well, 2017 2018 season. He's like 21. He's been out there for five years. Yeah, it's, exactly. I mean, he's like 19 he, right now. It, it always, I'm like, oh, there's a veteran Joaquin Neiman. Oh, wait, he's 21. <laughs> I think he's really 23. It's amazing however old he is. Um, <laughs> total dorks. Anyway, <laughs> Kramer Hickok is another guy I'm I'm interested in this week. Um, now, doesn't fit that model of a of a long hitter, uh, but he he did gain for the first time in a long time at the Barbasol. He gained uh, uh, putt in. He gained four sh- strokes putt in. He had lost in every event since the Valero Texas Open. 
putting. So I'm wondering if maybe he found something uh, in the putting category. It was a tied 13th last week, kind of just been a little bit of a cut maker. Um, but I, I like that performance. And then you're heading into a, a place where he's made the cut both times. Um, so I, I think he could be an interesting play, although it is limited upside. Um, and then the other one that I have is Hayden Buckley has my interest this week. He, at the Barbasol, he lost 8.62 strokes putting. It had been a real struggle for him. He found something on the greens heading into the U.S. Open. It carried over to the Travelers, um, and it seems like he's lost it. I'm wondering if it was if he's really lost it or if this could be a get-right kind of situation because he's been hitting the ball beautifully. Um, and it, it hinges, but I guess the point is here, his success hinges on the putter. And I'm willing to take a chance on that this week. Uh, yeah. And that putter's all over the place. He could lose you five, yeah. he could gain you five, he could lose you eight, he could gain you two. There's, there's a lot happening with this thing, uh, which is generally, I don't know, it's pretty, it's kind of a good thing when you're looking at, at, at 7,100. Yeah. I mean, it's a good high upside. Um, everybody has a miscut risk, but uh, high upside, miscut risk, Hayden Buckley. I, I love what he's done. Ball striking. Uh, I'll throw Michael Gligic into the into the conversation. Uh, four straight top 40s. He had a WD from the RBC Canadian. I can't remember why, but he's Canadian, so I imagine it was something bad. Uh, so if you throw that out, it's like eight it's like eight consecutive made cuts. He's playing better now. He's made two cuts at the 3M Open uh, in in his uh, two trips. The sixes. Hmm. Brandon Matthews, Bryce Garnett, Hank Lebiota, Justin Lauer, going all the way down to the bottom. Boy, Brian Davis, Derek Lamely. I'm pretty sure Derek Lamely, didn't he win the Puerto Rico Open? Not a real person. I, I, I don't know. It's computer generated. Back, back if he did, I, the curse is broken. Well, back when I was keeping track of the curse, I'm pretty sure he was one of the guys I always had to look up. Yeah. Derek Lamely, 2010 Puerto Rico Open, his only PGA Tour victory. He won it by two shots over... Uh, you don't know that off the top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, by the way, Greg, we're the dorks for knowing the name in question. He's dropping Derek Lamely knowledge okay. <laughs> over Chris Blanks. Uh, Do you think he got grandfathered into the curse? Yeah, he did. The, I talked. I talked to the, the curse maker. Yeah. <laughs> Derek was always grandfathered in. Uh, yeah, there, right. there was a curse when he did. So he's stuck. He's stuck in there. Yeah. All right, you dork. Six thousand dollar range. Uh, Sia, first crack. Let's let's talk. This is a tough range because I, I just don't think you need to go into the six K range. I, I don't think you need to do that to get different. You can get different. In, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just said interesting. So so this is actually you could strategically just just ignore these guys. Well, just because the seven K range and specifically is so there's so many guys you can pivot to that are like legitimate pivots that I just don't think you need to go here to be different. Now, there are guys you can go. I mean, you'll. Hank Lebiota is, is a guy, obviously, that I'm going to say. Bryce Garnett, whose history here is amazing. Um, there are guys like Kelly Kraft, who has been really coming on. Matt Wallace, who I don't know what's going on with his game. I thought he was going to start coming on a few weeks ago. It didn't work out. But I think in that upper 6K range, there are some guys. Um, even when you go lower, I think Joseph Bramlett or Brandon Hagee, I think, are guys to take a chance on. But again, I just don't think you need to do it unless you're just firing a single bullet into a gigantic contest and you believe in one of these guys. But other than the, the guys I just mentioned, I'm just not interested in much here. Uh, Bryce Garnett, three top 26s at the 3M Open. That's every single edition. And he's quite high risk, high reward. So he's got uh, five missed cuts in his last eight. But the other three are a T33, a T15, and a T16. That last T16 was the Barracuda. So that was most recent. So if you like risk, if you like reward, you might like Bryce Garnett. Okay, Greg, what else can we find out of the sixes here? I wrote down five names. I'm more, um, just a, as a precursor. I'm kind of like Sia. I'd like to avoid this range, but it is likely that some of these guys contend. 
Um, so that's important to keep in mind. Um, there, there will be players in this range. It's so big that that contend here. Um, so one guy, if you believe in the uh, driving distance aspect and you, you're a crazy person and you really yeah. like risk, Brandon Matthews at 6,900 could be a guy because he he reminds me of the camp champ and the Matt Wolf and that he excels in one area. He's been playing well on the Corn Ferry Tour. A um, couple of couple of top 15s in his last three starts, which I, I think can go a long way. So you could take a chance on him. You're completely rolling the dice. Um, then the other guys that I wrote down, Austin Cook seems to be turning a corner a little bit. Um, and, and he tends to be a popper. He hasn't been great off the tee, but every other area has been positive the last two weeks. Um, so, and, and he's made a bunch of cuts in a row. So I'm mildly interested in him. And I think he also, if I remember, yeah, no, it's not, not a great record here, but look, we're in the six K range. Um, and he, he has a tendency of popping at some bizarre times. Um, another one I wrote down was Dylan Wu. Um, oh, and yeah. Dylan, he's, yeah. he's like way better than the guys that he's being priced with. Like he's yeah. just like way better than those guys. Yeah. So he, he, he stood out to me, um, you know, a young player and he's been quite good ball striking in the last three weeks. I know he missed the cut at the Barracuda, but, um, I, I think you have some upside potential with him. Um, another one, which is a definitely an upside play is Kevin Tway. Also at 6,700 seems to be kind of coming around a little bit. And, you know, he was tied 22nd at the Barracuda, uh, tied 50th at the Barbasol. He missed the cut at the John Deere and uh, made the cut at the Travelers. And that's about it. Um, so he has my interest as well because he's kind of that long camp champish type player. Uh, and I think he's hitting the ball a little bit better than last time when he missed the cut. And then the other guy that I wrote down is he just keeps catching my interest and he, he's missed a ton of cuts except last week at the Barracuda tied 16th, Joshua Creel. Um, and the thing I like about him is he excels in an air. He's a really good wedge player. And when I was lo- looking up what he did for uh, heading into John Deere, he was, you know, top notch in all these wedge categories. And I'm not saying that that's important this week, but, um, but I think he's been starting to hit the ball a little bit better and he has an area that he excels in, which can be a good thing. So maybe he rattles off a, another made cut and and gets into contention. But again, like Sia said, not crazy about this range in general. Joshua Creel, second from 100 to 125 yards, third from 50 to 125, ninth from 75 to 100. Very good. He's like a wedge wizard. Yeah. Joshua Creel. Uh, Cole Hammer's in the field. I don't, I don't have any thoughts about that, but he's, he is, he is, yeah. uh, th- this is, I actually think this is broken. See, there, there, there's 92 golfers in the six K rate. That should not happen. Yeah. I actually think that this, and, and DraftKings has been doing this for a year now where these ranges, the 10 K, the nines, the eights have gotten squeezed to the point of everyone gets done. Like I, I actually do not like that that pricing model. I, well, I just, I don't understand it because you can push up some of those seven K guys to the eight K. You can push up some of those high end eight K guys up to the nine K and at least have, you know, well, I don't know, 10 or 15 less in the six K range. I'm not sure you're the data guy, Rick. I'm not sure why they're, they're doing that. They're the smart guys over there. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really interesting. It's almost like they, like the top end of the board, they just priced them where they would be if it was, in, you know, not a major, but a regular event. And they just left the guys off that would be on, on mm-hmm. top of them. And like Tony Finau could be a 10-5 guy in a regular PGA Tour event, you know, behind Justin Thomas or Scotty Shev- who you know, whoever's playing that given week. It's it's very strange. I think it takes out some of the... Um... I don't want to say strategy, like the, like the fun decision making part of it. And then just kind of turns into, can you find the three guys under 8,000 that are going to finish inside the top? Can you find three out of these 120 guys who are going to finish inside the top 15? That's, that's the game. 
it's all the more reason to pivot off the chalk because if if you're saying that the the range from seven thousand up is is just very condensed and it's just unnecessarily condensed, then I think what's going to end up happening is the chalk is even going to be that much more detrimental to your lineup skyrocketing up the board. So it's something that to think about. Like this is definitely a tournament, especially in this seven K range, which is it just has like there were other names we didn't mention. Like CT Pan is another guy with with high upside. My my point is is Lucas Glover. If you want to speculate there like Doug Gim. There are so many guys to pivot to. So once we get an idea of what ownership is going to be like, I think that's when you have to really dial in and say, okay, well, I don't want to go to the 6K range, but I have so many pivots I can work with in the 7K and potentially the 8K range. Um, See a quick question. How many, when you're looking at ownership in an event like this, you know, you said it's extremely important. Are you looking at every player in your lineup and trying to make it a a pivot or can you, is it, is it, are you okay with two or three chalky guys or what? what's that number? Yeah. I mean, generally I'm okay with some chalky guys, but I generally don't want the chalky guy to be in like the seven K range. Like if Chris Goddard up is super chalky, like, I, I, well, not, see, that's a bad example because he does have the upside to win it, but I, I'm definitely looking for, if I'm going to play chalk, I want to play chalk of guys that like, I actually think have a legit shot to top five or, or outright win the thing. I'm okay with playing right. that chalk. It's, it's the chalk that, you know, is in the seven K range generally, or even the eight K range where I'm like, listen, these guys are way more volatile than these ownership numbers are, are telling like the, the people are rostering them. Like there's no volatility there. And there truly is, especially in that typically in that seven K range. So th- th- that's the chalk I usually just want to be off of. But to answer the global question, no, I mean, I, you know, it's roster construction is a part of it, but as far as playing chalky guys and not chalky guys, I'm happy to play one or two chalky guys. If I really believe in them and a couple guys that are almost near chalk sometimes, depending on the tournament I'm participating in. So Rory McIlroy last week, you just, you got to have him because he's going to play well. So it doesn't matter what ownership is in a way, but he's he, you need him on your on your roster because he's going to be right there. Well, you're you're asking the wrong guy because I faded Roy last week uh, to, to my detriment ultimately. But I played a lot of Cameron Smith and I had him as an outright too. But yeah, I mean Roy Roy would be a good example, except for the fact that that tournament was loaded with so many guys at the top yeah. that you didn't, in my opinion, you didn't need to to rest on Roy. But obviously, if you did, it worked out. I saw some narrative lineups were rolling in. Do we a have lot. those research, Troy? A lot. Oh boy. Okay. How many? How many do we have? These are three. How many more do we have? So I think we have five total. But I got to tell you, there had to have been like fifteen that came in, and I just I can't put them all in here because it would be too long of a show. So uh, sorry if your yours isn't up here. Okay. Three M open. Three uh, M, the company that makes quote tapes and adhesives from Michael. Uh, which yeah, they do a lot of stuff, right? Three M make they make everything, don't they? Yeah. How yeah. how many how big do you think? Let's look up three M. Three M company. What can we learn about three M? Oh, well, they're based out of St. Paul. Can okay. you name the Twin Cities? What are the twin What are the two Twin Cities? Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah, I think that's right. That's got to be right. That's right. Um, Let's see. Oh my gosh. 3M made 35 billion in sales in 2021. Okay. Okay. Where do you think this is a good question? Closest without going over. Where they ranked in the Fortune 500 list. So the Fortune 500 list is the list of the largest US corporations by total revenue. So is over know- one is over 1 or 500? Uh, uh, good question. Over is going to be 500. Okay. So you want to be closest without, yeah, yes. Okay. I will say, wow, this is a big range to guess because it's really a dart throw. I'm going to say, uh, 119. No, it's way higher. The reason I know it's way higher is because I don't think Rick would have asked the question unless it was an impressive number. I'm going with 26. My brain is a scary place. You should not try to get into it, Sia. Uh, You both lose. You're both over. Really? No, sorry. I don't know if over is under or under is over. Sia, Greg is closer, but he went over. It was 102. So Greg Ah. is 119. You're out. Sia wins uh, 26. The (laughs) The three M's stand for Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing. Obviously. Everybody knows that. 
Anyway, Michael's 3M product <laughs> narrative name, JT Post-it Note Man, Sticky Fowler, a Sticky Fowler, Kramer Hookcock, uh, like hook and loop, I assume, Hayden Stuckley, Max Strength Adhesive McGreevy, that's good, and Doug Tape Gim. That was a reach, Michael, but I liked your first five. I like Doug Tape Gim. It's like duct tape. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That works. All right. Two votes to one, Michael. Good job. Tybo. Uh, what is this, Sia? These are these are sodas. These oh. are the, Minnesota. That's so the, the play on words that he's he's going there. Minnesota. Okay. Let me try this. <laughs> Sun kissed JM. That's Sung JM. Mm-hmm. Chris Seven Up. Chris got her up. Dylan Dew. Dylan Wu, that's Mountain Dew, I suppose. Matthias Schweppes. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I like it. RC Pan. <laughs> Kelly Craft Soda. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, John, PJ Tout. I like this one. This is just very straightforward. This is the 6M. Mm-hmm. Matsuyama, McNeely, Moore, Malnati, McGreevy, Matthews. 6Ms. It's, it's simple. <laughs> yeah. Why why only do three M's when you can have six? Uh, I like that. Okay, do we have more? Uh, okay, see so yeah, these. Why don't you why don't you talk us through your one here? Okay, so we've got the three M open. It, it's in Blaine, Minnesota, which makes me think of David Blaine, which makes me think of magicians, of course. Wow, uh, Grayson, Siegfried, and Roy. So uh, that's an all timer in my opinion. Good. Harry that's Higgs, Houdini. That's Chris. wait, hold on. Grayson, Siegfried, and Roy is like yeah. top notch one. Got him. I got him. Uh, Harry Higgs Houdini, uh, Chris Angel Goderup, David Lingworth Copperfield, <laughs> Dylan Penn and Fratteller. Big fan of that one. Uh, and yep. Shin Lim, who, by the way, is a, a Canadian-American a magician, very famous. I think he's like 30 years old. Shin Lim M for Sung JM, of course. See, I know all these guys because there's uh, billboards and signs for all these guys everywhere here because they all have they all have residencies in Vegas. Does Shin Lim as well? Yes, I see him everywhere. He's the man. All right, I'm going to see him. I'm, I'll be there in September. I'm going to go see Shin Lim. Yeah, Shin Lim M. Uh, and then the GOAT, John Markowski. Graces us with, let's see, from St. Andrews to this question mark, Aaron missed the old course badly. <laughs> Chesson, I hardly know anyone in this field. <laughs> John <laughs> Tringale is 18 to 1 to win, huh? <laughs> Andrew, better off folding your laundry. Landry. Uh, Dylan, I won't be watching on Fry Telly. <laughs> and had win. Adam had win knocked. Adam had win knocked out of me after Sunday. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. See, yeah, yeah. you might have won this week, dude. That's that's pretty elite stuff. I, I appreciate it. Anytime I can even compete with John Markowski, uh, I feel pretty good about what I've I done. think you competed. Now, Mark, John's uh, makes me kind of shake my head because I like this week. Um, you know, I, I. But anyway, yours is extremely creative. Not just the names, uh, but getting getting from Blaine, Minnesota, to magicians is. I mean, that's top notch. It's magical. Yeah. 3M produces approximately 60,000 products and uh, obtained their first patent in 1924. How about this? They acquire 3,000 new patents every year. Wow. Every year, they just invent 3,000 new things. Well, it says acquire. So they're just buying other people's inventions. It would take a lawyer to let us know that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot more sense. They're not doing the inventing. They're buying the ideas. Maybe I could sell them an idea. They really have some brands that are in, just incredible. Well, I like, literally don't know. Well, like what? Name well, one. I, well, I think what are the scotch, uh, scotch tape, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you scotch tape is a Staples. type of tape, but it, it's not like the scotch tape isn't the type of tape. It's the brand. And so this is like people call tissues a Kleenex, right. you know, a Kleenex. And that kind of brand association is incredible to me. And Velcro, I think they make Velcro too. Which is uh, not, I don't know about that, but like styrofoam is the same way. Styrofoam is a brand name. That's it's, not what I, I don't even know what the actual product is called. 
So I'm I'm blown away by that uh, that kind of uh, association where the product, what it is, like Velcro is hook and loop. Everybody calls it Velcro. Kleenex is a great example. That stuff blows me away. And I feel like, although I may be wrong, 3M has a handful of those. They definitely have scotch. They definitely have post-it. And they definitely have commands, like command strips. Post uh, posted is probably stronger than command strips. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean a posted note. Everybody, it, yeah. Can I have a posted note? Like, what is it called? Is that really a sticky note? I don't even. You don't even know what the like real name like, is. Like a like a brand too. Another brand, right? So, little pieces of paper with uh, adhesive on them. I, it's amazing. Hmm. All right, I learned a lot today. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, boys. <laughs> We'll be back Tuesday. Oh, crap. I forgot again. And no one made it this long. And definitely no one made it this long. What? This 3M discussion is very compelling. Everybody is still here, Rick. Let's talk about one and done. Crap. The one and done link is now in the description. The fan vote. Please go get your votes in uh, so that there's more than five votes because I botched this. Uh, Go and vote. You guys are making up great ground on Mark. You're making Kyle pound his own sand. It's it's all great fun. Uh, The link is now in the description. Oh, I feel bad. I missed that at the top. Hey, guys, you didn't hear this from me, but word on the street is that Kyle Porter is selecting Dustin Johnson for this 3M Open, even though he's not in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. For the third time this year. He's going for it. I guess he's pounding sand. Yeah. Uh, I have an I have an idea for this. Um, we can't let this go to five people, Rick. So why don't we take this little bit, this little snippet at the end, and repost it on top as a, you know, an announcement. Oh, an important announcement. All right, that is officially enough. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone still listening. Uh, Producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad's available on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at The Real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.